yours, the world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, whose world is this? I sip the dumb peak, watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin, the whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement, understandable smooth shit that murderers move with. The thief's theme, play me at night, they won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation, react like I'm facing time, like Pappy Mason with pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my dome, spit the phlegm on the streets. Sway Tim's on my beats, makes my cipher complete. Weather cruising in a six cab, a Montero Jeep, I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep, I keep falling. I keep but falling. never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. me. The world is this. The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? So, yeah, yeah, what's, uh, what's been something good that you've watched recently? Something that really impressed you? Uh, <laughs> We're not an easily impressed man, as you can see. Uh, I, I... High standards, this guy. Technically, flavours were amazing. The scallops were delicious. Mm-hmm. The um, light vinaigrette. And did it need the parmesan? Did it need the flowers? And do you need that many flavours to make it work? Oh, fuck off. Fuck right off. Fuck off. Now just shut the fuck up! You fuck off. Fuck off. Okay? I'm done. You, 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 you. Fuck off out of here. Fuck me. How about fuck you? I suppose my favourite things would probably be, uh, let's see, the, the Field Guide to Evil was pretty fun. Uh, uh... What's what's that? It's it was a uh, anthology movies sort of thing um, with these. Oh, cool! Uh, I think there was seven different short films by different directors from around uh, the world. Eight, eight, actually. Okay, I've got the Wikipedia up. Correcting. <laughs> See, we're we're how long into the episode, and I'm already reading off Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah. I tell you what, though, this has got a short film by Peter Strickland, who I think is an excellent director. Oh, yeah? What's he done? He has directed In Fabric, uh, the film about the haunted dress. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and I'm really into fashion and spooky stuff. And today we're headed to a thrift store where a medium is going to pick out an article of clothing that is haunted for me to wear. He did Barbarian Sound Studios which is the film where Toby Jones plays the guy who goes mad while editing an Italian giallo film doing all the gory sound effects. He also did a film called The Duke of Burgundy that didn't really do it for me. Would a human toilet be a suitable compromise? Might quite like it, I don't know. Um, But yeah, interesting director for sure. So uh, I don't know which film he did, but Um, yeah. Apparently The Cobbler's Lot. I really quite liked the short film. It's it was. Oh, I can't yeah? remember all the details of the story, but it's like this cobbler guy who is in love with some woman, but his brother is a lot more suave or something. And it's a classic sort of, you know, like trying to seduce this lady, but then... Uh, a fairy tale kind of thing. Um, 
It, 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 but it's all. I, yeah, I, I have to watch that, that one. Was the one that they did it like silent? So it's like done like a. It's a, it's a silent movie, uh, which you know. Strickland is such an inventive visual stylist, so I would be really interested to see what he does in the parameters of silent. Film. It's really cool. Like if you're familiar with the fairy tale, like I was, then like you kind of you got the whole story without even reading the the title cards, you know. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I know any of the other directors, but yeah, this was an anthology film then, and a, a horror anthology. Yeah, yeah, and it, like so, like the the it, they're all based on like folk stories from around the world. Um, and I, I I watched this as I was uh, coming down off some pretty good acid, and it it was nice. It was very nice. <laughs> uh, it, it was nice. A horror anthology was was nice. Yeah, I, I don't know. It had this <laughs> like sense of humor to it, and and seeing all these different uh, different filmmakers, I, I quite like short films for that. You know. Mm, yeah, me too. I feel like I like um, I like a short film if I feel like it isn't just a gimmick that they couldn't string a full narrative out of. You know. Sure. Right. <laughs> If it actually feels like, you know, as good a film as any longer thing, then absolutely fine. With yeah. Properly well-drawn characters or, or deliberately vague characters, but the concept is really good. But, um, yeah, I'm interested in, apparently, the film features U.S. hillbilly folklore. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, tell us about that. Uh, that's, there's this, there's this one about, um, there's, like, these kids in the woods that have giant heads and they eat people (laughs) (laughs) okay it's just you know Uh, your classic tale of a a boy and his uh criminally negligent parents just well they just let him wander (laughs) off into the woods just like uh, okay uh it's cool I don't know, like the class. It's the classic horror story trope of just why are you doing that? That is obviously bad. Uh, that is not a good <laughs> idea. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I some of my favorite stories within there was a Polish one where this guy like has to eat three hearts in order to human hearts in order to like gain all the wisdom in the world or something like that. Um, Okay, uh, and um, a Turkish story uh, about a recently a lady who's recently given birth, and like there's this goat demon, uh, or is it her mom who's the demon? It's kind of ambiguous. I don't know. It, 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 this a goat demon, a, go- a goat grandma demon thing. Yeah, it's you know <laughs> sweet good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, man. I like the sound of that film. Um, I'll probably watch that for the Peter Strickland short film because he's one of those directors who I've seen most of his stuff and would probably like to see it all. Katty! Mr. Sint. Mr. Sint, was kommt die Tod? So, uh, and then, yeah, what? I mean, uh, speaking of short stories, there's that, uh, what What did Jack do? Is that what it was called? Um, oh, the David Lynch short do? film yeah. that just randomly dropped on Netflix one day. Yeah. And everyone was like, what? Where did this come from? But apparently he made it a couple of years ago. 17 minutes of just 
a monkey talking to a detective. Yeah. Yeah, played by, of course, David Lynch, but not the monkey, the detective. <laughs> yeah, I, well, as we were saying before we properly hit record, I fucking loved What Did Jack Do? Really, really, really funny. Oh, man, yeah, pretty much every time the monkey opened his mouth, I was just like, uh, it, it was just so, it, it, it's not, in, it, I don't know, I, it, there's parts of it that are intelligent, perhaps, but the concept and what I found funniest about it was not really intelligent. It was just this stupid, look, it's a monkey saying things that monkeys would have no business saying. (laughs) 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 I, I loved it. I find actually there's a lot of film noir style short films that seems to be very much something that a lot of filmmakers enjoy doing as an experiment <laughs> but they don't necessarily have the material to string out to a full uh, feature length narrative yeah. for example there's this Ari Aster short film Ari Aster's the guy who directed Hereditary and uh, Midsummer more recently mm. um, and he's done a lot of interesting shorts but one of them is basically editor's note it's called The Turtle's Head uh, it's about this like horrible gross obese detective who like he's not horrible and gross so much because he's a beast but because like he's you always hear his internal monologue and it's so it's so horny and he's he's always just interrupting the job to masturbate uh or to just go and <laughs> go and get his dick wet somewhere or just masturbate again he watches a lot of pornography and then like the plot of this short film is just that his dick starts to shrink (laughs) it's just like by the end of it his penis has disappeared (laughs) so it just kind of takes like the chauvinistic sexism of like philip marlowe and those old archetypes of the private detective and just makes that all of the character just that he's horny all the time (laughs) and then uses that to bring him down (laughs) it's so funny it was 522 and i was still in the office i'm usually out the door at five but sometimes exceptions need to be made in this case the exception was a curvy little tease named susan barling they say he died in his sleep um there's another there's a good it's not entirely film noir style it's a little it's a little bit but i've been watching a few films by the british comedian and actor matthew holness recently and um there's a pretty funny one called a gun for george in today's society justice comes too slow unless it's dismemberment said suburban vigilante the reprisalizer aiming his colt cobra 38 snub-nosed detective special had a gangster scumpunk extortionist bastard's left ball. Which is, I guess, rather so rather than film noir so much, it's done in the style of like Michael Winner's Death Wish movies or something. Right. But it's uh he he his uh he his uh, I guess 
God, I don't... Oh, all right, fuck it. One man suburban vigilante, driven by rage to wage one man war on the underworld of Kent. <laughs> one man is the reprisalizer, bringing lone wolf justice to the mean streets and coastal pathways of Thanet. The reprisalizer. One man must ride the vengeance trail when good cops and justice fail. Judge, jury, reprisalizer. <laughs> and it's just like about this guy who has written multiple, just like a series of pulp revenge novels that are all about him finding and brutally killing the guys who like smashed up his car who <laughs> 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 just <laughs> um uh, and apparently he's mourning the death of his brother George but i i much more uh, i i clocked much more the bits about the thugs smashing up his car <laughs> yeah <laughs> suburban vigilante driven by rage to wait one man war on the underworld of Kent one man is the reprisalizer bringing lone wolf justice to the mean streets and coastal pathways of Thanet the reprisalizer eat it one man must ride the vengeance trail when good cops and justice fail judge jury Eliza coming soon. Um, yeah, so I mean that 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 was quite an interesting thing. But yeah, David Lynch's addition to the film noir shorts genre was, I thought, absolutely terrific. I wish I I could like, I wish I had more immediate thoughts on hand about it. But really, really funny. Um, came out in 2017 originally where it premiered at the Foundation Cartier pour l'art contemporain in Paris um, <laughs> but now thankfully thanks to our overlords Netflix anyone who obviously pays Netflix money <laughs> can watch it Yay! Woo! thank you capitalism I believe the analogy refers to the worst quality of capitalists the Ferengi are believed to conduct their affairs of commerce on the ancient principle caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. Woo! <laughs> what do we want to talk about next? No, have you seen anything good lately? I feel I have watched a load of good films by Costa Gavras, but I feel like we'd be here all night if I got into all of that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, okay, let, let me find a good thing to talk about that is not Costa Gavras right now then um, oh well I wanted to ask you have you seen any of the new episodes of Better Call Saul oh fuck I meant to do that after you recorded after we recorded last but no <laughs> see I thought you were such a big fan of that show but you'd be like on all of it immediately I've just you know it's just been real busy time of year um. <laughs> I'm doing your taxes still Cause I'm the tax man. I mean, in part, yeah. There's all this. Uh, Got to renew my health care. My all my car stuff is due. Uh, oh, renewing health care, man. Fuck. Uh, the, the, the food stamps. Like it seems like every day I get something new in the mail that needs to be filled out and sent in. Bloody hell. Well, 
Yeah, well, it's it's quite good. Then I won't talk about it too much <laughs> if you haven't seen it. But, but is I, it, it I'm on enjoying form? it. Yeah, yeah, it's on form, man. Look out for a couple of a uh, couple of different unexpected cameos. Okay, there's uh, there's one you may not expect on account of the person doing the cameo being dead, <laughs> and there's one that you may not expect because the character who appears. Both characters who appear have been dead in the series uh, since the since like the well since dead in Breaking Bad, right. but obviously it's a prequel. So, uh, but anyway, you're surprised to see these three different people uh, in across two different scenes. So, yeah, cool, right. cool fucking show, well, man. I I really like Better Call Saul. I am downloading every episode so far. <laughs> Right on, right on, brother. So, what? What was I going to mention? Because I'm trying to think of stuff that would be like interesting to real politic listeners in particular, not just stuff that I thought was sick. Oh, okay. So I rewatched the film Cache, or Hidden, as I believe it's known in English language territories, by Michael Haneke. Have you seen this? I watched it years ago. In film studies. Do you remember much about it? Uh, a, a bit, but definitely not enough to like lead the conversation. I watched it around that time, and it's a real case of a film where I'll put my hands up and I'll say, I completely missed the point, you know? Oh, yeah? It, it really... Yeah, it really didn't click for me first time, and I think this was like a combination of political naivete, like I wasn't fully aware of... Of the legacy of colonialism in France and and mm. and 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 um, artistic belligerence, I I think on my part that I wasn't willing to accept the ambiguity left in the story, which actually on rewatch to me is much clearer. Um, I think essentially I just felt sorry for the bourgeois couple at the centre of it. Right. Um, <laughs> I I which, I, uh, I, for I think Michael that was Hanke, it. I think yeah, that's pretty easy to do. Um... Yeah, I mean they were emblematic. Uh, yeah, the thing is they're emblematic, and I I very much went. I personalized it too much. I thought, oh, these people are being you know horribly, uh, horribly. Um, I almost said yeah, tortured, not not physically tortured, but in retrospect, you know what what the film is doing is that it's drawing attention i mean it's using these two people and their ordeal to draw attention to a much wider ordeal a much wider crime that people in france the Al- you know the algerians basically mm. were subjected to and um i think that daniel uh, Ortiel, uh daniel Ortiel's character the lead, the lead character i think he's a really unsympathetic character actually and he is painted as emblematic of a kind of selfish bourgeois ignorance where he's he's so unrepentant about the fact that he um li- he lied and lied and managed to stop his parents adopting this orphaned algerian child yeah. of course the child was orphaned after a real life atrocity where the french government the french police lined up uh, i believe it was the military actually they lined up 200 or so algerians in the river seine and shot them mm. 
and it's one of it's just an unbelievable atrocity and of course it was happening contemporaneously with the revolutionary struggle in algeria and and it was the french's way of keeping the algerian portion of the population under control as it always is with Um, these kind of things yeah often is yeah and so i think i think when i watched this film in probably the first year of uni i think i very much saw too too much everyone is equal i didn't look into i didn't really maybe chose not to pay attention to how squalid the algerian man his place was to um compared to the surroundings in which uh, Han- in which uh, Daniel Ortiel and Juliette Binoche's characters live, you know, it uh, it's it is quite starkly spelt out the, the 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 suffering that this man endures in every aspect of his day to day life compared to the the suffering that in this ordeal uh, the the two main characters are feeling. <laughs> Oui. Ouvre merde. Montrez-vous, espèce de lâche. C'est un jeu, c'est ça. Pourquoi avez-vous si peur, monsieur? Um, I think yeah. I think it's a uh, an interesting film. I think yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, that's such a try. <laughs> I think it's an interesting film. It, it, it's amazing. It is amazing but, um, how much difference just a few years uh, can make to one's perspective on these things. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and also, I think, you know, this time, I, I also saw, I think I barely paid attention to it the first time because it was just kind of like, oh, well, there's this, you know, criminal act going on. Of course, the police are taking the guy in. But, you know, it is actually really kind of like stark when the man who has been accused of this harassment campaign by the main character, the Algerian man, is you see him and his son being taken off by the police you know yeah. there's the, the fact that he he is he ruins this guy's life all over again that he he had he literally has him criminalized um you know it's kind of uh everything basically that i saw as ambiguous in the film i saw as explicit and that made me uh, I saw it explicit se- second time round, and, th- and that made me like it a lot more, you know. I thought also, I-, I was thinking when I was watching it the first time that the Algerian guy needs to make it clearer to the main character that he hasn't been doing this stuff. I think he makes it fairly clear <laughs> that it's not him He, uh, in, 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 in retrospect. Because um, it is that kind of thing in art films, everyone everyone just like speaks so enigmatically and it's just kind of like it's like if you'd fucking natter on a little bit more then you'd give the person the information that they would need not to be like completely in the dark about it. If you just say like an Um, extra sentence in act one then you won't die at the end of act three. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they just choose to say instead of no I did not do this thing um, they're they're like well but well you'll never know what (laughs) the thing about the thing and i'm just like just fucking if you didn't do it mate just like literally say the words i didn't do it i know i have no idea what you're talking but forgot the guy does he he does he does say those things i guess because right up until the very end when they hint at it they don't say who is responsible they don't point they don't give you too many clues then yeah i suppose that is um yeah that that 
Ah, what am I talking about? <laughs> I've been smoking since I was born, man. I could smoke anything, man. <laughs> Sorry, I've already recorded one thing tonight. Like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, 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 a bit, is, bit uh, shagged spent, out. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, but it's like Joe Biden at one of his campaign rallies confusing his wife for his sister. <laughs> yeah, he actually did that last that night, man. Me. I, I, I'm going to cry if it ends up being him against Trump. Editor's note, I've really got to edit these things faster. I think it, it, could, it could well be after last yeah. night. Biden's... Now, like, he's won a load of places and shit. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Super Tuesday or something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Well, it's, you know, fine if people would rather, like, have this senile man as their candidate. Just if, if that is what it takes to stop the left. Senile white Obama 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pro- probably probably to the right of Obama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah being but, honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's grim. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to say about Cache. I actually think like it's such a powerful film. I think it is a great thriller. Actually, it keeps you, it keeps your pulse ticking. It keeps you guessing until the very moment. And it's probably uh, one of the more accessible Haneke films I've seen for that reason. Even if I was a bit dumbfounded the first time I mm. saw it. But you know, um. It's a really, really powerful and pointed film about class, about race, about colonialism and imperialism. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. I, yeah, I think it probably says a lot. I changed my rating from two to five stars <laughs> and deleted my earlier review of wow. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, absolutely, I think, the best Haneke film I've seen. And it's uh, just a fantastic cool, film. Cool, yeah. Glad, glad you come around on that one. I mean, uh, like I was saying, I can't remember it too in detail, but I am a huge fan of Haneke, uh, the, the the Seventh Continent, uh, funny funny games, or is it? Yeah, yeah. Yep, funny games. Yeah, you got it. He made it twice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep funny. forgetting. I, <laughs> he, he he made the the remake, didn't he? Uh, the American. Yeah. Movie. I'm Paul. We're gonna make a bet now. You bet that you'll be alive tomorrow at nine o'clock, and we bet that you'll be dead. <laughs> Don't think I've seen the remake one, but yeah, the original at least. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. I just I, I like seeing people with Fair. money suffer. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, give Cash a rewatch then. Uh, I mean, shot for shot, the two funny games of the same film, aren't they? Just with different actors. As far as I understand, yeah. Pretty much. I think, uh, yeah, it's a frame-for-frame frame remake. Uh, like Which, Gus, Gus yeah, Van if you Sonic are the same there. director, why would you change it, really? Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, a real weird film I watched fairly recently is one called The Brave. This was the directorial debut of Johnny Depp. Okay. Um, I can't say <laughs> I've seen it. No. Yeah, from what I understand... Uh, this is the only feature film direct directed by Depp. Um, all the way back in nineteen ninety three. Ninety three, he had done a film called Stuff, which is a twelve minute documentary about the house of Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist John Frusciante. Nineteen ninety three, John Frusciante was 
massively heroin addicted if you listen to his records from that time they're like the most heroin <laughs> out stuff you'll ever hear like ri- not like keith richards heroin music where he still like musically kind of had it together <laughs> nah really re- really incoherent stuff it's i think it's all acoustic shit it's, it sounds like fucking charles manson man but um yeah anyway john frusciante is not really the point here the brave was to this date the only feature film directed by johnny depp he managed to get marlon brando to do it on scale brando in one of his very last films i think his only uh, on-screen role after this would be in frank oz's film the score i think um yeah whatever vaughn with de niro but the brave is like Basically, Johnny Depp is this Native American guy, already problematic, I know. (laughs) And then he's living in pretty poor circumstances. Like, he's got no money. He lives in a trailer with his family. And he then, like, gets an offer from creepy Marlon Brando, who is super creepy in this film. Uh,. Like, that's the only reason I watched it is because I, like, skipped through the copy of it and I saw how weird Brando looked in his scenes and I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta watch this. But Brando is only in it, like, at the beginning and ends, which is such a fucking bummer, <laughs> man, uh, because he's so bizarre in it. But I guess he was being paid scale. Um, yeah. Reading has a price in the marketplace and uh, so do cars, so do hula hoops. So do useless endeavors. Yeah, basically Brando meets Johnny Depp and he's like, I don't know, he's, I can't really, I can't really express how odd Brando is in this film, but he's kind of like, it's exactly, I haven't seen it, but I imagine it's pretty similar to what he's like in The Island of Dr. Moreau, which came out the previous year, but he's... He's just kind of like, whoa, if you kill yourself... So, no, sorry. If you let my if you let my men torture and kill you and I can film it, then I will pay you all this money. And Johnny Depp's like, but I'm dead. <laughs> and he's like, well, well, he's like, well, we'll give it to your family. And, and then Johnny Depp's like, well, I suppose so. And so, like, he goes off to his family. They give him, like, half the money. Uh... And then he hangs out with his family for a week before he goes back to the place. You see Marlon Brando and the film ends. So, yeah, most of the film is just Johnny Depp's character kind of like hanging out, buying his family stuff, knowing that he's going to die in a week. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, It's kind of interesting. Sounds like it has some strange similarities to uh, a Serbian film. Oh, yeah, maybe that Serbian film was inspired by this one. Um, I think this is much less explicit. Yeah, you I don't, so. you don't see, no, you don't, you don't see any of the snuff film murder stuff on on so screen it, like that. It would that. actually be watchable then. All right, good. Yeah, that happens after the film ended. I mean, it's not that watchable because it's kind of really dull and slow paced, and it's two hours. Yeah, full two hours long. But watchable, um, watchable, I, but shit. Uh. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, I didn't think it was actually 
it didn't strike me as particularly badly directed or anything. I thought like it, the film looked nice. Depp probably got a really good cinematographer on it and stuff. Um, uh, two different cinematographers. What? Who's Vilko? Vilko Filak. Well, I haven't seen any films by Vilko Filak other than that. But um, well, they did a decent job. The film looks good anyway. And um, the soundtrack is by Iggy Pop. Um, I was kind of it's yeah it's mostly it's weird. There's a lot of like kind of countryish guitar and then with Iggy Pop just humming over it like, uh, and you just kind of wonder if like Iggy got his band playing just jamming and then his contribution was <laughs> on some of it. I know I know Iggy does play like drums and a bit of guitar and stuff. He does play some instruments, but yeah, I think. Basically, it's a curio. Mm. It's something that people people would find in theory to be a pretty interesting thing, but that I don't know <coughs> how many people would want to like actually sit down and watch. Not because it's gross and disgusting, but just because it's slow and meditative, and yeah. uh, you know, a fairly a fairly thoughtful film uh, about um, about mortality and so on. Um, but not not great shakes by any means. I've always tried to live with the spirits. And I've always tried to show you that world. But it seemed like you didn't care. Now, I think you do care. So I think you should sit alone with the spirits. I'm gonna put you out there. Just like there are good and bad spirits, there are good and bad two-leggers. Just remember, son, whatever you do, think of the children first. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's got its defenders, I think. Probably Johnny Depp. <laughs> Johnny Depp, like, did he didn't release it in the United States because, like, I think in, he released it in Europe and then critics in the states slagged it off, so he just didn't release it there. <laughs> um, so that probably led led to it being a really obscure film, but it's now turned up on Amazon Prime. So once again, thank you to our corporate overlords. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I also saw a Johnny Depp film uh, recently. The Rum mm. Diaries. Ah! For Rum Diary, Boring as fuck, I thought. I, Not seen it in it, a few I, years. It, it, for me, I don't know. Uh, it it kind of danced across the line between boring as fuck and occasionally the poor man's fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Like, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the were well, definitely good chunks of it that I, I I thought was funny and I enjoyed but then it was just interspersed mm. with just being quite boring on the whole and very very drab compared to Fear and Loathing well, of course for me the issue was that Hunter S. Thompson hadn't started doing drugs <laughs> or at least many drugs at that point in his life yeah 
Exactly. So it's just, there's not that much fun about just watching Johnny Depp getting drunk on rum repeatedly and over and over again. And I, 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 I remember watching it. This was years ago. But by the end, starting to feel almost just, maybe this is effective filmmaking. I don't know. Starting to feel almost hungover <laughs> from just kind of how like, how squalid the life of an alcoholic is. Just kind of wake up, drink in a fucking pool of alcohol, like beer bottles everywhere, drink some yeah, more. Kinda. You know, I, 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 I mean, not that fear and loathing in Las Vegas is not a squalid way to live your life as well. <laughs> of course, it is extremely so, more so, but probably, very vibrant, but also, yeah, vibrant, man. Like I felt like Bruce Robinson, um, who you know directed with Nail and I in the eighties, and he came out of retirement for the Rum Diaries. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think that he had the absolute vision. Um, uh, you know that Terry Gilliam had that he brought to uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right? Which which was a able to channel the psychedelia of Hunter S. Thompson's drug addled. Actually, writing. I didn't know that about this, but that makes so much sense because it feels a lot like Withnail and I um, aesthetically. Mm. Well, that's a that's a much better film about heavy drinking. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, Although they do smoke a Campbell carrot as well. Although I I I. I, I uh, yeah, I will agree with uh, our friend Jacob in university who recommended it uh, to me. Just that it 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 was it was reasonably fun, you know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Don't look left. That's an introduction you don't want to have. Who's he? A living example of everything that's wrong with this paper. His name's Moberg. Our crime and religious affairs correspondent. Lauderman can't fire him because he never sees him. He's rarely out in daylight. Looks like he enjoys a drink. The entire substructure of his brain is eaten away with rum. Um. Uh, well, seeing as we're just talking about a load of Johnny Depp stuff, I watched this film where he plays like a washed-up ex-cop who is like disgraced and his family have left him because he just got obsessed with investigating the murders of Biggie and Tupac. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> it's called City of Lies. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, Forrest Whitaker is basically just like some some piece of shit pushy journalist, uh, and he he goes and seeks out Johnny Depp, and Johnny Depp's just kind of like you know you know how it is when I think uh, like you know uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Zodiac when he's just become an alcoholic and he's given up on everything. Yeah, um, he's ba- he's basically Johnny Depp in this film is like. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Zodiac character, except he's not given up. He's still just completely fucking obsessed with who killed Biggie and Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, it was a passable way to spend, like, two hours, but not a particularly good film. I found myself drifting off. Um, I never thought it would be good, though. I literally just watched it because of just, like, the pulp thing of just, like, ah, oh, Biggie and Tupac murders, you say? Excellent. <laughs> Which is a good no, not reason, yeah. saying it's yeah. I'm not saying it's good that they got murdered. Obviously, <laughs> I'm a fan of both artists, but you know, um, I definitely I watched Nick Broomfield. This was ages ago, though. I watched Nick Broomfield's documentary Biggie and Tupac, and I enjoyed that. So yeah, I'm I'm here for all the Biggie Tupac conspiracy theories. You know, I bet they were killed by dirty cops. That's exactly what cops would do, man. Cops, man. What are they good for? Cops. Well, murdering. Uh, beloved rappers, I think. And lots of people. Yeah. 
murdering other people too. Yeah, hell, absolutely. Yeah, they murder a lot of people. A murder like that only goes unsolved if the police don't want to solve it. Piggy didn't have Tupac Kim. The facts point to something more here. If we could prove a connection between cop and Biggie's murder, it would not only break the LAPD, it would ruin the city. Um, I'm trying to think, actually, that's jogged my mind. Have I watched anything about cops murdering people lately? <laughs> Mate, oh, well, almost all the Costa Gavras films involved. Well, I, I, I watched a movie about cops murdering people. Uh, Killer oh, Joe. Yeah? Killage. Oh, see, that's not the kind of uh, cop shooting a black guy in the street kind of thing. No. This is this is a murdering cop who does it for the money. Yeah, just kind of odd, odd jobs. He he's just hires just himself out as a he, contract he, he, killer. He, yeah, he's a professional. <laughs> no, he'll kill the white working class as well. <laughs> he'll kill whoever you pay him to kill, yeah. or don't pay him. Yeah, man. As it turns out. So this is. This is by one of my favourite directors, William Friedkin. Yeah, yeah. The infamous. <laughs> I think we both like Friedkin, don't we? I, I remember you saying you were watching Cruising at yeah, some point recently. Yeah, he's got some classics behind him. Um, yeah, man. Sorcerer, The French Connection. Yeah. I rewatched that in the last couple of months. Um, the Exorcist, obviously, is a fantastic Great, film. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, and and this was kind of the second in this late career comeback that he had with a couple of films written by the playwright Tracy. What Letts. was the first one? The first was a film. It was called Bug. It came out in two thousand and six, and it stars Michael Shannon as this mad bastard who's convinced that bugs are under his skin. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a freaky fucking film, man. Michael Shannon at his Michael Shannoniest. Yeah. <laughs> But tell us more about what you thought of Killer Joe. Um, it was it, it was a hard watch for a lot of it. Mm. Uh, just a lot a, a, a lot of a lot of violence against women. Yeah, with with KFC bones at one point. Yeah, chicken KFC chicken bones. Yeah, yeah, suck on suck on the chicken wing. It smells heavenly. Who would like to say grace? Uh, yeah, yeah, but. I mean, in spite of that, I, it it was a good film. I think I I I I I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it on the whole as a crime film. Yeah, and everything. Hell yeah. yeah! It's a dirty, nasty, seedy film. Like, Michael, uh, you walk out of it just kind of yeah, feeling really quite gross, and yeah, I guess that's what he was going for, Mister Friedkin. Um, yeah, man. McConaughey is so good in that film. That was during, it was like right at the start of the McConaughey. Yeah, this, <laughs> bounced back. This is not all right, all right, all right, McConaughey. Where you? All right, even though, all right. It, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It, it's like twisted. It it's the is. twisted version <laughs> of that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is like, alright, alright, I got the KFC chicken bowl. Like, it's a really uh, creepy performance by this very um, go- like likeable, handsome, and charismatic actor. You uh, gave so- me your sister, I'm going to take your sister now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's so kind of like businesslike about his women are possessions, murdery ways. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 totally. Well, the plot of the film is that basically <laughs> don't um, 
Like the, the the dad and the son decide to knock off the mum or something. Yeah, because uh, she stole the son's cocaine that he was supposed to sell. <laughs> Where's my fucking gear? That's that's how he should have solved it, Ray Winston <laughs> Where's style. Where's my fucking gear? Where's my fucking gear? Well, that's also quite violent. Actually, you shouldn't have done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, don't go taking advice on how to treat women from Ray, Ray Winston's <laughs> character in Nil by Mouth, even though it's a bloke who he does for Where's My Fucking Gear thing too. Like, still a member of his family, and it's still not nice. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then basically, yeah, because the son had heard that the mom uh, had a life insurance policy on the daughter, uh, like, like the, who the daughter was the beneficiary. I mean, uh, so yeah. mom dies, sister gets the money, they all split it, all good. Except, of course, it turns out that the person he heard that from is mom's current boyfriend, who is the actual beneficiary. So they end up killing mom. (laughs) Boyfriend gets the money. They get Jack Diddley. And uh, McConaughey, the bounty hunter's character, is not very happy about that. Um. (laughs) Jack Diddley, is that something they say in the film? I don't know. It's I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just you coming up with that, but I could imagine McConaughey being like, "I ain't gonna give you Jack." It it does fit their uh, (laughs) patois or whatever. Yeah, patois, (laughs) southern patois. (laughs) I am not going to try and attempt southern patois in case I'm racist, but like, 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 that um, sounds really funny. What's his character? In Knives Out. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, Daniel, Daniel Craig's, Craig's character. character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's for. not Guy Lapois, because we already discussed this. That's a Johnny Depp character, but he's uh, uh, something like Guy Lapois. Is, isn't it? <laughs> it, they're, they're all the same, those oh, southern people. <laughs> fucking, fucking goddamn French. Goddamn, goddamn French! Whatever, whatever country they're French of, they're all they're still the bloody French. That's it. <laughs> um, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, he's Benoit Blanc. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Killer Joe was a killer film. I thought. I thought it was really good. My payment is twenty five thousand dollars in cash in advance, no exceptions. Twenty five. Yes, sir. Thought you said 20. I was told 20. 25. Is that a problem? We don't have a problem with 25. That's not our problem. And what is your problem? We have a problem with the advance. No exceptions. Sir, let me explain. One of the reasons we're interested in having this done is my mother holds a very large insurance policy. They usually do. Now, we thought if we could guarantee payment after the policy had been covered... Look, this really isn't open for discussion. The conversation is finished. This is... What you think this was, huh? Let's make a deal? This is serious business you're fucking with here, boy. I'm aware of that. No, I don't think you are. I don't take you seriously. This is going to get done one way or another. Our conversation is finished. I never met you. 
You never met me. We never discussed the possibility of a retainer. What do you mean? You know how to reach me. Call me if she's interested. Hey, man, you talking about my sister? Is that who she is? And uh, it's a shame, actually, I, I guess because it's such a nasty film or maybe because Friedkin's in his 70s. But he... Um, didn't follow it up with another feature film, another narrative film at least. He directed a documentary called The Devil and Father Are Amorph about uh, an exorcism, believe it or not, which um, was widely criticised. It got like 44% and was described as amateurish and exploitative. But I have been really curious to see this documentary called Friedkin Uncut, written and directed by Francesco Zippel, which is just all about Friedkin and his cranky, irascible ways. That's got really good reviews. It's got McConaughey in it. It's got Wes Anderson, apparently, who's, I guess, is a Friedkin fan for some reason. Uh uh, yeah, Willem Dafoe is in it, Michael Shannon, Tarantino appears, um, makes sense that he's influenced by Friedkin. Same with Edgar Wright, of course, Mr. Car Chase loves the French connection, that would make yeah. sense. <laughs> Fuck them all! Although, if a one disappointing thing about Baby Driver is that Edgar Wright didn't put Kevin Spacey in as much risk at any point as uh, for people in the car chase in the French connection <laughs> were... <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah drive through traffic there kevin <laughs> hey even better kevin this will be a great stunt why don't you walk into traffic that would be fantastic <laughs> move no mate no 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 make sure it's moving <laughs> Baby driver 